Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is January 12th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, I am so excited. So, 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 so excited. So amped up that hockey, that regular season meaningful games will be played this Week. So the season obviously starts the 13th, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it drops. But the Bruins start on January 14th, Thursday at 7 p.m. in New Jersey. And then uh, January 16th, again against New Jersey at 1 p.m. Then they go to Long Island to play the Islanders the 18th and then return home on the 21st for the home opener against the Flyers. I am so pumped because, I mean... As a, as a city, as a state, as a country, as a world, <laughs> as a world, we've been through so much over the past seven months. And to have this little bit of normalcy, I know obviously it's not a normal season. There's no fans there. Everyone's going to be wearing masks, you know, as media members. There are some games we might not be at. Um, but just to have it be played in home barns and teams somewhat traveling. And obviously, again, some teams will miss games because of COVID or, you know, guys will miss games because of COVID, but it just feels like a little bit more normal. A little, that, that tiny sense of normalcy is kind of coming back in this sense. And that's why I'm so excited for this. I'm also so excited for the coverage, for the coverage aspect of it, you know, chatting with you guys every week, um, you know, talking to you guys via Twitter or Facebook or um, YouTube comment sections or however. Um, and speaking of YouTube, I'd love to, you know, have everyone invite everyone to go subscribe to Bruins Rinkside uh, on YouTube. Uh, there is content going up there pretty much all day for the past week, and it will be until the season ends. Um, but there is, you know, every post-game press conference uh, or every just press conference that the Bruins have in general. Uh, so there's player interviews, there's full podcasts, there's, uh, you know, analysis videos that we do. Uh, I think right now it's at about 260 subscribers at the time of recording. So... When it hits 400, I plan on doing uh, more live podcasts, more Q&As that Connor, Ryan, and I will do who's on today's episode. So we're going to interact. We want to interact with everyone. We want to have it become like our own little world um, and kind of have it like our own little, you know, fun, you know, fun little Bruins corner that we have. Um, and that's what I'm really looking forward to it being. It's already becoming that. You know, the views have been good. Subscriberships, uh, subscribers growing well. So it's been fun over there. Just make sure to go subscribe to it because, again, uh, I don't want you to miss out on the fun um, and sort of all the content that gets put up over there. 
because uh, I do think that it's uh, it's really good and it's going to be consistent throughout the season. It's always going to be there, so you can count on that. Uh, another thing you can count on is our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. Are we ready for some football? Are we ready for some football? The answer is, of course, yes. Uh, college football might end tonight, but or ended on Monday. I'm recording this Monday, but uh, it ended on Monday uh, when you're listening to this. But uh, the NFL playoffs are in, in full swing. You know, do you want to bet on Brady and the Bucks? Do you want to bet on the Kansas City Chiefs who are the obvious pick? You know, who do you who are you going to put your money on? And make sure to go do that at Bet Online because there's only one place that has you covered and one place that I trust, and that's Bet Online. Sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag and use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. And then again. I mean, this is a hockey podcast. <laughs> Go bet on hockey. Uh, right now, obviously, I think the Bruins are, uh, top odds in the East. So if you want to, if you, if you're really dying to put money on them, go do it. If you think the Flyers might edge it out, go put money on them or Char is going to put the Capitals over the finish line. Go bet on them. So, uh, go to betonline.ag today and then use that promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Uh, because again, uh, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. Uh, again, CLNS 50, 50% cashback bonus. Uh, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, we have hockey in just a couple of days now, finally, after uh, spending the last couple of months doing nothing worrying about Oliver Ekman Lassen coming to the Bruins and doing trade scenarios and all that fun stuff. We've at, finally at last reached regular season hockey. So I'm doing splendid. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm right there with you. Um, just the fact that there is Bruins hockey this week, real games, not preseason games, not just training camp, which we were very happy was here. And we love so very much for all the content it brings. Is real hockey this week. There's games. And I see this episode. I'm, this might be the episode I've been most excited for since the trade deadline one of 2020. So we did a trade deadline show back when there, you know, when there was, when things were normal. Mm-hmm. I remember being really amped up for that. Like, Oh, you know, the Bruins are going to make some big splashes, you know, maybe Tyler Toffoli and then Tyler Toffoli got traded that night before the season, before it even released to the Canucks. Uh, but even with that, um, even going, com- coming back into the postseason when they came back to return to play, I was excited for that and I was pumped. But this is different because this is a season. This yes. is a full slate of games, not 82, not 82. And I'm sure when there's a regular 82 game season with fans and COVID is a thing of the past, I'll say this is the most excited episode I've, I, I've been for an episode since, you know, 2019. But this really is. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for the, what this season will bring what happens this season all the twists and turns and um i i couldn't be more excited so this episode is season preview and predictions um and we've both been uh, at training camp for the past week and it's been great it's been so much fun to just be back oh yeah absolutely i mean it's it's getting back into the swing of things now it's obviously a little bit different when you got you know, mask and you do contact tracing and all that stuff but you roll with the punches right i mean it's just good to get back and see kind of how the Bruins seem to be, you know, what their thinking is in terms of crafting this roster. Cause I feel like we went into camp with all these different question marks of who's going to fill in where, and more or less they've 
kind of just roll with the same guys, right? Like it hasn't really been, all right, one day you got a different guy skating with Bergeron and, and Mashand or, or anything like that. It's kind of they've like set into these roles where it's like, all right, Sonika is going to be with Bergeron. Like uh, Zaporo is going to skate quite a bit with Kevin Miller. Uh, Kevin Miller is going to be healthy and he's going to be the third pairing guy. Like it, I, you know, it, I think it's probably a, a byproduct of the fact that the training camp schedule, you know, isn't long at all. So they have to kind of dial in and get these spots figured out in a hurry. But um, it's just good to see, you know, be back in the building watching hockey again and seeing how they're kind of on the fly, kind of sprinting to the starting starting line for the season. Cause uh, it's going to be, you know, they have to have multiple guys kind of gelling right away. You mentioned it. I feel like in some ways, you know, leading up to camp, we were all like, they have no time to figure this out. They got to figure it out fast. I feel like they just threw guys together and said, you're going to figure out how to play together. We don't care yeah. if you suck or you're great. You are going to be together. And I feel like, the first day, Nick Ritchie was out there with Coyle and Smith, and I remember thinking, oh, maybe that's just because Bjork's in the other group. Right. And then I was like, well, they didn't just auto-assign these groups. Cassidy right, yeah. obviously put these together. Right? This, it wasn't just like, you know, they, they, it's like we do in street hockey or pond hockey. You throw them with right. sticks in the middle, and you throw them to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. So they have necessarily – they pretty much stuck with the same guys um, throughout and kind of let guys get, develop chemistry, which is something that Cassidy always hasn't been great at in the past, letting guys develop chemistry. It feels like he's doing that now. So let's get into predictions. So we each have brought three predictions to the table. Um, I don't know what yours are. I don't think you know what mine are. Um, and so this will be a fun surprise for both of us uh, on the predictions we have that are sure to be very right come you of know, course. the end of the season. But no one's going to pull by the like audio. The end of, by like the say. end of like next week, they're going to be wrong is probably how, yes. you, how these usually go. Yes, this is how they usually go. So – um, I'll start off with a, a kind of a lukewarm prediction. I wouldn't say this is one that is mm-hmm. far fetched, um, or as you know, out on a limb as maybe people might want. So I guess I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start very cold and get hot. That's, okay. So you you can anticipate. You can you can look forward to my later predictions. Cool. Um, Jack Stadnika forces himself to stay in the lineup even after Pasternak comes back. Now I don't mean stays in the you know first line right wing. That would mm-hmm. be very hot, a very hot take. But I do think he pushes and makes it very difficult to keep the third line together as is and not slot Sadika in there somewhere. No, it's, I mean, I, I think especially the spot they're giving him right now, as you said, I don't think he's going to be in that spot for the whole season. But as much as it's kind of weird to project, you know, hey, it's your first full season in the NHL. We're going to start you on the top line as being a low-pressure <laughs> spot. It's not, of course. But when you're put in that spot where you got – Bergeron and most likely Marchand there with you. It's like a great way to for a young player to kind of build some momentum. Uh, you know, considering the way that Stanika plays, the great eight chances are going to be there if he's in that in that area of the ice, right? So, I think for the Bruins, you want to see what that guy can do in that in that spot, and he's in a good spot to succeed if he just kind of plays the same game he was playing up in Toronto during the during the bubble playoffs. So. Uh, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, it's a good problem to have, too, for the Bruins, right? If, if Sonika's doing well, Pasta's ready to come back, you know, we talk about it all the time, is does Pasta get broken up from that line? Probably not, because we talk about it every single time, right? And it never happens. But Never happens. Uh, but if you have Pasta back up there and all of a sudden Sonika's in a, a role where you can put him on the third line or, you know, if maybe a guy like Kasha's not – uh, you know, up to par if you, you put him there. Like, there's a bunch of different spots you can put Jack Sadnika in. I wouldn't be surprised if his role expands just beyond. I think everyone, you know, there's probably, like, the 
unfair expectations where you expect this guy to be like a Calder, Calder Trophy candidate, right? Like, I don't, I don't think he should do that. But I think the way the Bruins are building him into the lineup where I think they're going to be relying on him, uh, even you look at the PK, right? Like, there's still a couple of question marks with that PK unit. And, I mean, Sneka had, I think, seven shorthanded goals last year in the AHL. So, not like he's going to be doing that up in the NHL level, but I think they view him as a guy who uh, can hold his own in that role, and they're going to need him to. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he really carves out a, a definitive role with this team, even when Pasta gets back. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, as, as you said, I don't expect him to be a Calder Trophy candidate. Maybe. Maybe I'll put my mm-hmm. Bruins goggles and, you know, oh, Jack Sneka is going to be a Calder candidate, but... Um, I do think he's going to be effective. I do. And I, as you said, I think being on that top line to start with Marshawn and Bergeron helps out a bunch. So what is your, we'll go back and forth. What's a prediction that you have? So I don't know if you know mine's, uh, yeah, too much of a spicy take or too much of a bold prediction, but I think at the deadline, they're still going to swing a trade for a top four D. Uh, I that think was one you, of mine. <laughs> uh, damn it. Damn it. Do you want me to, you want to, you want to take that one? I'll, I'll got an, I'll cook up another one. No, no, continue. I'll, cook um, up. So, yeah, I mean, I just think that you look at this team and, you know, as much as people I think are especially very doom and gloom after the Chara news, I think people equated him leaving to, like, the window being closed. Like, I still think this is a very good team. You've still got a good veteran core. You've still got quite a few guys who are capable of breaking out on this team and, and pushing this team further. But I think even if a guy like Zaboral or a guy like Lozon hold their own, um, I still think if you're the Bruins, uh, you still need to get that one more piece to put yourself over the top just to have a veteran guy who can, you know, log you 18 to 20 plus minutes a night and just being a dependable guy back there. Again, if Zaboral or, or Lozon or even Vakanainen, uh, you know, soar over expectations and it's one less problem to have. But I think if you're the Bruins, I wouldn't be surprised if they look at, you know, a, a guy who's maybe a, a pending UFA or anything like that. Like, I, I still don't think you're going to have – Noah Hannafin and one of these guys with term come here just because of the Seattle expansion draft. But um, you look at the Bruins and what their weaknesses are, the fact that they've got a, a good amount of, you know, not good amount, but flexible amount of, amount of cap space that they can take on a contract. It, it seems like inevitable right at this point that they're going to swing a trade for a top four D who, who's it going to be. I think that kind of remains to be seen, but um, uh, you just, you know, project this, this season and this, uh, the weaknesses of the roster, it just makes too much sense that they're not going to swing a trade for a guy. It'll be Victor Hedman. Um, oh, of course, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny though. You mentioned that. Um, and it, before when we were doing some show prep, um, I was looking into guys who are going to be UFAs after this year who are left to shot defensemen on bad teams. I came up with three names. Now, these names have not been rumored. These are just names that I would not be surprised to see the Bruins in on come. April, March, April, yeah. that time frame. Ryan Murray, left shot defenseman with the Devils. Again, none of these guys are special. None of these guys are coming yes. in and, you know, headlining your team. They're not getting, you know, uh, billboards outside TD Garden, no. but they do, they, they are somewhat reliable. Yes. Ryan Murray, Alex Goligoski, a left shot defenseman from Arizona, and mm-hmm. Nicholas Jalmerson, another left shot defenseman from Arizona, because I think Arizona, probably is not a team that we expect to do a ton of damage. Same with the no. Devils. And at least, see, the good thing about Murray is he's in the division. Yes. So it's, you know, you're, One you're less su- quarantine issue, right? Yes. So you don't have to, I guess, worry so much about that. Maybe there's less regulations. Uh, so those are options. I think those are options. They're not bad. You know, again, his, his, by the way, has Jacob Zaboral's stock ever been higher 
Then after this, after he gets paired with Kevin Miller and he's, I guess when he got drafted, his stock was pretty high. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, 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 I mean, you, like, you know, he's, he's out there in the third pairing with Kevin Miller, probably going to start the season, you know, in the lineup, uh, mm-hmm. which is not something that we maybe anticipated. So, um, all could go well on that front, but there's a good chance it doesn't. There's also a good chance, you know, you can never have too many defensemen, injuries, COVID. I mean, there's so many things. Yeah, that, that, that little thing, COVID. That, right? Yeah. Remember COVID? I feel like yeah. we're forgetting that like right now the NBA is like potentially thinking of like shutting down the season for the time being. Yes. Um, and there's like, you know, issues they're facing. And there are lots of other, there's, what is it? The Canucks, the Stars. Uh, Blue Jackets had to have, I think, 17 guys out. Uh, the Kings have had multiple guys out. So, yeah, the Stars is the most severe one, right? They're not literally going to start the season on time. But um, it's, you know, it's the reality of the situation you're in right now in, in COVID with cases, you know, skyrocketing. It's one thing where I think if, like, one case was reported back in July when – teams are coming back for training camp. I think everyone would be freaking out. Right. But that was back in like the summer lull. We can view it as the lull now compared to what. Yeah. Back then we were like, Whoa. And now we're looking like, damn, those are the days. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So yeah, it's going to be, I think a trial by fire and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more complications along the way. It's just how you best minimize how much it affects your team. Yeah. No, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Um, But so yes, those are three names. I think that the Bruins could be in on uh, come March, April again. That's just completely looking at a contract status and team. So I don't want to hear, I don't want to see a tweet at E. Marinovsky is reporting that the Bruins are in on like Alex Kolog. I'll lose my mind if you do that, which means people are now going to do that because I just. You're going to get a tweet from at Connor Ryan with two N's. Connor Ryan yes. at three. Yes, they <laughs> will say that. The Spoke Z will tweet it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I already know. Anyways, let's get to my next prediction. This is the one I did not have this initially, but it was a close, it was a close fourth. So now I'm making it my second. Um, and Cassidy mentioned this the other day and it kind of got me thinking, and it'd be a fun little prediction. Someone will come off the taxi squad and stick in the lineup. Never know. You never know. And my guess is it's not in the top six. I don't think Paul Carey's coming in or Zach Seneshin and they're going to, you know, do crazy damage on the second line, but yeah. there's a weird chance that someone misses time on the fourth line. They mm-hmm. plug Paul Carey in and he sticks. Yep. I, I, you know, that's crazy, but. There's a chance. There's always that chance that that happens. Um, now, again, we'll learn, I believe, Tuesday who the, who the taxi squad is, uh, or we should at least uh, right. learn kind of who it is. Um, and obviously, we're recording this Monday night, so we do not know the taxi squad yet. We can assume certain players are on it, certain players are not on it. Uh, but I do think that maybe someone comes off the taxi squad and carves out a role with the team. I don't think that's too far-fetched. No, not, not at all. I think especially where, you know, you if you want to speculate that as long as he doesn't get picked off waivers, like a guy like Seneshin who it's kind of an unfortunate situation for him. You know, he, he gets put on waivers on Monday, and I think everyone's just kind of burying him of like, oh, good pick, everyone. Like, there's that. But also, like, guy looked pretty good up in that third-line role last year in November when he was up here. Then he got hurt. And then he comes back this year, and he's got – Richie and Kasha and Sadnika and all these other wingers in front of him. It's like, was he going to like leapfrog those guys? I mean, like if he went, you know, bonkers during this training camp, maybe, but like the, the reality was he wasn't going to do that. Right. So it's kind of an unfortunate well, he didn't, situation. He didn't, he didn't see any of the hate on Monday. He was at the dentist getting his teeth. Picked. Yeah. Yeah. That was like at in, like injury to insult, right? Like he get put on waivers and also he gets his teeth knocked out during Monday's scrimmage. So uh tough, tough couple of hours for Sunishin, but 
as long as he doesn't get picked off waivers, which you could see a team maybe do if, if, you know, you look at a low cost, you know, low risk, potentially all right reward in terms of a guy who could be a third line guy, especially on a team that doesn't have forward depth, but no, whether it be him or, you know, a guy like bleed who plays a straight line role that could, you know, roll in on the fourth line. Like, yeah, there's definitely a spot for a few of these guys that if, uh, if they're needed and they probably will be in a season like this, uh, they're going to be, you know, crucial to the Bruins success. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I've never been big on bleed, but I think a guy like Senishin, it's funny, Senishin back at the time when he was drafted was thought of as kind of a reach because the Bruins had three straight picks. Yes. They wanted to kind of take someone that was a little off the board. Maybe not the right year to do that, but we've done that. So we've, we have, we have, have we? sung yeah. that tune so many times. So I will refrain from doing that on a, on a bright day like today of, of starting a new season. Um, what is your next prediction? Uh, my next one is that even with him out for, could be two weeks, could be three weeks. I still think Pasternak leads the Bruins in goals. And, uh, again, that's one I think probably people won't think is that shocking considering that how much of a, a lion's share of power play time and how much time that top line gets. But I think especially look at the season, right? Uh, is, you know, Marshan, who's hopefully able to start the year on time. Is, is he a candidate? You've got Craig Smith, who people think is going to do, uh, you know, a strong job this year, especially with Coyle. DeBrusque is due for a breakout year. Is Kasha after the amount of shot attempts he gets? Is he a guy who could break through? Like, those are all viable candidates, and it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, a guy like DeBrusque or Kasha breaks out. But I still think when you look at even with, you know, the time off um, – and the procedure itself, I mean, hip surgery, it's not something you just brush off right and you're good to go. Like, there's going to be a buildup. I think when you look at just the, the reps he gets, and especially just the way he seems to improve his game every year, like, we've gone from Pasta being a guy who is getting all of his goals in tight to now being a guy who's almost automatic from that left circle, which very few guys can do. So um, I still think Pasta is still the guy. He's not going to break the 50-goal. Mark, again, that'd be pretty wild if he did this year of all yes, the years. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. This is the year. This is the year, this is the year you're going to call it. So, But I, I still think when you look at just the reps he gets, that he's still going to be the guy leading leading the charge. Imagine the people last year did prediction shows were like, Poshnok's going to hit 50 goals, and he just, you know, COVID and giving up the goal to Marshawn. Um, Not but, the outright Rocket Richard winner because of that. So he's being a yes, good teammate. Yes. Shake my head. Anyways. I like your prediction, Pasternak, uh, leads the Bruins and goals. I think that's, a uh, one that is, with the time off, I think that's maybe not super popular, uh, such a super popular prediction. Mine is the, actually kind of the opposite. I think Jake DeBrusque leads the Bruins and goals. Uh, this was something I said, it came to me, I was watching TV one day and this came to me and I was like, this is the year. This is the year. Pasternak's out to start the season. Uh, it's a shortened season. DeBrusque had that inconsistent year last year that he's been kind of, he's been talking about this since, when we, you know, his end of season, in, uh, end of uh, his exit interview back in uh, September, this has been a thing that's been talked about quite a bit. He had the new contract; it's kind of a prove me deal. Yep. He's got the consistent presence next to Krejci on the right with Kasha, and that seems to probably look like it's probably going to work. So, the, the cards are stacking up for Jake DeBrusque to lead the Bruins in goals. Now, again, I save that for third because I think that's my hottest take, my hottest prediction. But I, that wouldn't surprise me. I, and, and again, like, I think that, you know, he has that potential. He's, you know, he, he can absolutely be a goal scorer. He's shown, you know, he has no problem scoring goals in the past. And you have your leading goal, you know, your best goal scorer out to start the season. And you have a, you know, for the first time in your career, for, to start a season, you have a set second line. The second line is set. 
You know, you don't have Bacchus over there. You don't have Coleman. You don't have Brett Ritchie. You don't have Rick Nash for 20 minutes. Like you have Andre Kasha. And I do think that this is the year that Jake DeBrusque leads the Bruins in goals. And I keep, it's funny. You think like, Oh, what is he going to score? 40? And it's like, well, no, it's shortened season. It's, it's like, like, like 18 goals or something like that. Yes. Which, like, yes. it, someone's going to be leading the league with like 26 or something like that. And it's going to be like very, you know, look back on it and just be like, oh. Like, it's funny that uh, the NHL, I think, I think it was the NHL posted a, um, an Instagram post and it was like, will Kill McCarr, you know, score like over 50 points or something? And people were like, what? It's a shortened season. Like, yeah. Well, probably it's... not. <laughs> <laughs> something, but I for mean, a second, my UMass right. ass was like, "Oh my god, he's getting a hundred But then I was like, yeah. "Actually, never mind. It's a short season." <laughs> right? No, I, yeah, I agree with. I think the bros can be right up there too. I mean, it's one thing too where uh, it's not like the process style of play is not conducive to being around those areas where he should be, you know, potting these goals. Right? I mean, he he's at his best when he's in front, you know, getting rebounds or, or tipping home, uh, tipping home shots. And I think with. Krejci and, and Kasha and Cassidy mentioned that he pretty much just wants to stick with that group, which uh, is encouraging to hear in terms of just how many times have we heard David Krejci and the carousel wingers he's had to deal with, right? Um, to finally have kind of a set uh, grouping there, um, I think should benefit all those guys. And I think especially for DeBrusque, if he's playing his game, uh, he's mentioned that he's put on some some muscle that he wants to work on, you know, his board work and stuff like that. And those are kind of the smaller details that can be the difference between a great A chance and an actual goal, right? So, uh, again, this is a guy who almost got 30 goals two years ago. So um, he knows how to score the goals and just putting yourself in those spots more at a more consistent rate because I think they'd rather him, you know, score every couple of games than, you know, have three and four games and then all of a sudden he doesn't have a goal in 14 games, right? It's just kind of – evening out that production a little bit for him. So that is that those are my three. You still have one left, correct? One left, yeah. And I'm going with uh Charlie McAvoy getting legitimate Norris trophy consideration, which I think uh again, it's a, a tough kind of gig to be in because there's a lot of very, very talented defensemen, not only established veteran guys who've been out there, but you look at Haskinen and you look at Quinn Hughes and your guy from UMass Lowell or whatever school it was um he's he's pretty good um you, you know it's a, it's a stacked field but uh i think you look at mcavoy in his game and the responsibilities he's going to deal with this year i mean he's probably going to be averaging 24 25 minutes a night at this point right um you look oh, at yeah. the i would imagine grizzly has the first dibs on that first power play unit but i'm sure mcavoy is going to get more more looks there as well um i think you know Lozon's probably the guy to stop the year but I think regardless of who it's going to be, I think McAvoy is going to have a lot more freedom to, you know, jump up into the play to, um, you know, to be a little more creative with the puck. And I think that's going to do wonders for him because again, we talk about all the time of how terrible he was last year because he didn't score a goal, even though he uh, took more than two minutes to look at all the rest of his numbers and how good he was, he realized, you know, shouldn't really give a shit about how many goals he scores. If he's that good, no, he sucks. He didn't yeah, score a goal yeah. until February. Guy yeah, blows. exactly. So, but regardless, if people who, you know, take the, the time to, you know, gauge guys beyond goals, I'm sure he'll get more goals out of the gate anyway, because he's going to be able to be more confident with the puck. Because, I mean, I think you saw him down the stretch in the regular season and during the bubble, just how much of groove he was in. So, um, I think with the added responsibilities, again, he's not going to be a guy who, 
if this was a full 82 game season, he's going to be like a, a 60 point guy as a defenseman. But I think his, what he does defensively in transition, uh, at five on five, especially, even if he's a guy who in an 82 game pace was like 35, 40 points, I, I think his values evident. I think a lot more people are picking up on that when you look at just how much he impacts a game. Exactly. No, I totally agree. I think McAvoy is absolutely going to get Norris attention. Um, and you know, from a points perspective, I expect him 25 to 30, uh, in that realm, especially on that first pairing, especially with, you know, a little Lausanne is more mobile. I think that's a position with Lausanne where you, you could easily see change. You know, you could easily yeah. see John Moore go up there. You could see Grizzlick go up there. Um, back in nine, you know, back in nine in. Pushing. Yeah. Maybe Zaboral makes that big push, mm-hmm. uh, and he's up there. So I think there's a lot of, uh, chances. By the way, one guy we didn't mention, uh, who could be on the taxi squad or, or whoever is Trent Frederick, uh, yes. who, who could be, make a real push for that fourth line spot. Uh, cause I think that would be very good. And I think that, uh, that would be very interesting. Bruins fans would love it. Bruins fans absolutely love Trent Frederick as they should. He's a, he's a fun guy and there's a little bit of, uh, tenacity there, so to speak. So we've done our three predictions. That is our three. Um, I, you know, if you guys have any, if you guys want to debate him, if you guys want to come at us for him or agree with us, dare I say, let us know. Definitely let us know. Uh, now we get into the, uh, seventh player award, the breakout candidate, MVP, and where the Bruins finish. So we'll start low again. We'll start with breakout candidate. And I will okay. let you go first because I got the first prediction. I'll let you go first. Who is your breakout candidate this yeah, year? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, there's again, as I said before, there's so many different guys who are capable of breaking out. I don't even know if it's a, worthy of a breakout because he's been at the NHL for a couple of years, but I think Grizzlick's a guy who um, is just set up to get a, so many more responsibilities on his plate and probably uh, run with it. I mean, you look at just how good he was the last couple of years on a third pairing, um, you know, for a guy who's, you know, everyone compares him to other smaller puck moving guys like Krug, but you look at his defensive metrics and how good he is. And it's not like he's this shutdown guy, but I think it's just the way he moves the puck, the way he hits those, you know, first passes. It just, he's so adept at getting out of danger and getting out of those taxing D zone shifts. So I think it's why his numbers are so great. I think he should fare well in that role with a guy like Kahlo, or if he gets pushed up to McAvoy's pairing, um, I think he just makes every other guy he's with better. And whether it's the added minutes and the fact that his defensive metrics should still, you know, hold firm based on kind of the way he plays, coupled with the fact that he's probably your go-to power play guy and probably is in line for a lot more points. Um, I think it, it, he's just set up to have a, a breakout year. And for the Bruins, I'm sure they're going to be thrilled about that, considering they signed him to a nice four-year contract. So I think he's my, my favorite for that. That is that's a great candidate. That would definitely be a pick of mine. Another pick would be Jack Studnika yes. for me. I think that's an easy one. But I do want to go a little different on this. I want to expand your mind. The point okay. of this podcast is not to just run with the mainstream. It's do things a little differently. It's so Greg my Zanin. breakout, Greg Zanin. Yes, no, it's uh, Lee Stempniak this year. Okay, uh, but no, I, I it's funny. I just because I had Studnika written down, but for the sake of having a different answer from earlier, because Studnika was a prediction, I want to say a breakout candidate's Charlie Coyle, uh, and. People are kind of like, why? He's established in the NHL, you know, he's signed to a long-term deal. Well, here's what I mean by it. He's always, you know, been that puck possession guy, very reliable, um, you know, fun to watch. But the points have not always been there. There are lots of times where Coyle is not scoring those points. People are kind of wondering if he's the 2C in waiting, if he's the next, you know, David Krejci, so to speak, behind, you know, Bergeron on the second line. Um, and I think this is the year where he has to show that, yeah, I can, I can absolutely, you know, step in and, you know, kind of replace Krejci if Krejci is to leave. 
you know, production wise. This is, you'd think this is the year that he's most set up to do it. He has Craig Smith on his right, who we both have, I think everyone has very high hopes for, and I think he will hit those hopes. Um, and on the left side, you know, he starts with Nick Ritchie, but there's other options there. You can go with Bjork, uh, maybe Stanika at some point. So it seems like to me, the breakout guy is Coyle. I think Coyle is really going to kind of come through with points is, you know, obviously he's a third line center. So it's not like he's out there uh, all the time. He's not going to have as much time on ice as, you know, Bergeron and Marshawn and DeBrusque, but I think relative to the, you know, past seasons on a points per game level, not like he might have less points than last year's because there's less games. But right. um, I do think that Coyle is set for sort of that breakout year to prove that he can be that next second line center. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think especially when you, it's kind of that domino effect, but especially if Pasta's back and that first line is as expected and the second line with DeBrusque and Kasha, if they work out well and you're just leaving these more favorable matchups for the coil line, like you saw just how much of a force they were in the, the run to the cup in 2019, where they had those favorable matchups and they were dominating. Like, and it remains to be seen how, how Richie does. I think Richie's been pretty solid during camp as much as I think that pains Bruins Twitter when we both tweet about, <laughs> you know, the lines and stuff like that. Um, but I think, Craig Smith's going to do wonders both in terms of scoring goals, but opening up a bunch of ice for a guy like Richie or Coyle, who everyone knows he loves to hold on to the puck. So um, I think you look at kind of the matchups that they're able to get. Um, I expect those guys to, you know, pile on, not maybe pile on the points, but be a legitimate, you know, uh, top five, third line, you know, when you look at just kind of the, the numbers on how they should uh, fare in those roles. Nick Richie, 20 goals, question mark. Um, that would be a bulber if we won that. If you led the like podcast title with like Nick Ritchie for for uh, Rocket Richard, I yes. think we we would never be able to do another podcast again. We get canceled. Yeah. Um What's funny though is like I, I don't like I don't I don't know how I feel about Nick Ritchie because obviously we saw camp and he looked good with them, but again it wasn't really against competition. So that's when I feel like I mm-hmm. I feel like I have to err on the side of caution there in the sense that I don't. I don't necessarily believe he's going to be the entire season, mm-hmm. but who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, that line works. So, you know, whatever, you know, you know he's going to, you know, he's going to score the first goal of the season too. Yeah. I'm going to put, I'm gonna put uh, it's going to be like, not even like a, a greasy goal. It's going to be just like a going in wrist shot. Like it's going to just, and everyone's going to be like, ah, people are going to be like pissed about it. Like first game back, we have like a season final. People are going to be mad on like the first five minutes of the game. Cause Nick Richie's an absolute snipe too, like just an yes. absolute oh, yeah. missile, top corner. Hags but it's, it's like uh, dances in his living room. It's like when poor uh, Blackwood got uh, what was it? Grizzly sniped that one against oh, yes. the last time they were there. It's gonna be one of those games. Dangled Subban on that. Yeah, dangled Subban. Um, but at any rate, those are our breakout players. Seventh player award. I would not be surprised to see that we have the same guy. Uh, mine is Craig Smith. Mine was also Craig Smith, but you can talk about Craig Smith. I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Grizzly because I think you need to have Craig Smith makes a lot of sense, right? Where he's gonna, I think he's gonna be that third line guy who's gonna produce, and I think be a guy who uh, lives up to expectations. But Grizzly's also from Massachusetts, and he's gonna have a probably good year, which usually qualifies you, right? We look at the last yes. two guys who've won is Chris Wagner and Charlie Coyle. We get to complete the Holy Trinity, man, of guys from the Commonwealth. We have to have Matt Grizzly in there. That's true. That's true. Maybe Macrosic, uh, but that's also a very viable one. I'll also go Todd Angeli. 
Todd Angeli oh, getting him yeah, in exactly. there. Exactly. That's true. Has to be in there. Has to Todd Angeli's going to be. And this there. year, he's due for breakout next year, right? Yes. Like next, next year, next year, year with too. the fans back and you know, everyone maybe they sing along with him, then it's yep. just like game over. And Beautiful. if he sings those Christmas carols, oh, if he sings those Christmas, there, oh, there'd boy. be tears. There'd be tears in people's eyes. Um, jingle bells. Uh, but seventh player for obviously as I said, Craig Smith. I think this is the most predictable one. Um, just just given what he can bring on that third line, because obviously to be a seventh player, people kind of, you know, it's not normally a starter given it's seventh player. Uh, it's not David Pasternak or Brad Marchand. Uh, but as we both have noted in camp, I mean, Smith has a missile. Uh, and just, you know, you look at the kind of game he plays, it fits in, especially with a guy like Coyle, it fits in with the Bruins. Uh, this is someone that I think everyone has high expectations for. Um, and I, I do expect him to be getting the seventh player. That's the one on here that I would actually, like, I would put real Pencil money in. on. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be Greg McKegg now that you say that, though. Because, like, before, like, they've at least have gotten the seventh player award right the last couple of years. Like, you could make the case that maybe last year, like, Kahlo could have deserved it as well. But, like, for the last couple of years before that, it was always just, like, the best player. It was, like, Marshan had it a few times, Pasta won it. Like, usually, like the last couple of years, it's been kind of skewered, but... Seems like guys are at least reading the room a little bit better. Like or... Mitch Trubisky with the Nickelodeon oh, valuable exactly. player. <laughs> it was, we have to do that other segment. Who wins the the MVP on this PK game. Subban. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> For the Bruins, though, Greg McKegg. Greg oh, McKegg yes. kind of sounds like a Nickelodeon character, so. Yeah, no, it does. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that – like Connor Clifton would win, like, MVP. Yes, MVP. Um, MVP. But so use a Grizzly, and I, I agree with that. I think that's very legit. Um, okay. So we have seven player, we have breakout. Give me your team MVP. Cause I think mine's a little off the board, but you go with yours. I mean, mine's not, you, yours will be off the board. Mine, I'm going to go the obvious pick and say to Grask because I think just the, especially this year with the defense where you don't really know exactly what you have in them. I think Rask's going to be relied on more than ever. And you could even do like, you know, one A, one B because with how compressed this schedule is going to be, you need both him and Halak to kind of be on their game because, and that's why I think they're going to fare well in this East division because I think the Bruins probably still have the best tandem in net. Like there's a lot of guys, like Kata Hot is a very good, a very good goalie, but is he going to be playing every single game? Like, you know, it's, you have to factor in some of those things. Is uh, Jari going to play every single game? Like how does Samsonov do with Washington? Like the Bruins at least have a good backup option there with Halak. Um, but especially, you know, people, again, even though we talk about it every single time about Rascal, even the bubble, people still have what? it clouded what? that. What? Yeah, what? yeah, exactly. But he's coming uh, back. People always kind of forget that, you know, he finished second in the Vesna, uh, last year as well. So he's still a very, very good goalie. Um, and I think, um, he's going to be, you know, not breaking any new ground here where I think he's still going to be a key guy that's going to be, uh, the biggest determiner of how far the Bruins go is how Tukaras does. So hopefully it's a, a clean slate for him. And I'm sure he'll still hear it from, you know, fans on Twitter or wherever virtual means there are. But uh, I still think as Tukaras goes, so goes the Boston Bruins. Yes, I think that's a very valuable pick, a very uh, legitimate one. And I think it absolutely could take place. My team MVP, though, is David Krejci. And a lot of you know, might, people might go, what? And the truth is, you know, obviously – uh, the obvious picks on up front and kind of with the team are Bergeron and Marshawn and on the back end, it'll be McAvoy. That was kind of my secondary pick was McAvoy kind of leading mm-hmm. the D. 
But a guy like Krejci, I mean, you really think about it the past couple of years, and the Bruins have obviously been a very good defensive team and just a one-line offensive team. You know, if they got the secondary scoring, it was yippee, and it was pretty much an automatic win. But when you have just the offense coming from that top line, and if you just shut them down, everything else shut down with it, just because Krejci, as we've said a million times, didn't have a right wing. Now he's got that right wing. He's got a motivated DeBrusque on his left. Krejci looked really good in the bubble back in Toronto. Remember, playoff Kretsch was the biggest thing going uh, in the world, actually, at that time. Um, to me, I think he's the MVP. Uh, getting that extra scoring, getting consistent scoring out of that line is going to be huge. When Pasternak is out, you know, in the case that Stadnika does not bring Pasternak's level of production or flops completely, which I don't think will happen, but in the case he does, you know you have stability with that second line. So to me, I think David Krejci is going to end up being the team MVP of the Bruins this year, which, uh, and also it's contract year, technically speaking. I mean, it, you know, some people think he might go back to the check. Uh, he says he's not retiring, so that's out of it, but you know, he's going to want to maximize his, his earnings. Uh, and with the Bruins luck, uh, you know, he'll end up scoring, you know, a <laughs> hundred goals this year and is deserving, you know, is going to ask for this huge deal. If that's, that the, case and if that's the case and they're fucked, they're not signing him again. If he goes a hundred goals, then unfortunately. Yes. Well, I don't think any team signing him. It'd be good because I think the Bruins would probably win the cup if your second line center is scoring a hundred goals <laughs> in 56 games, but uh, bad news. Some Wayne Gretzky David, shit. Yeah, but bad news for David Krejci's future in the Bruins. I don't think uh, even with some cap, uh, getting off the books next year that they've got the means to sign a 100 goal score. 100 goal score. But tr- truthfully, Bruins lucky would be like Krejci puts up 30 goals this year. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now he wants a four year, like seven, eight million dollar a year deal. Uh, and they're just like, uh, Don Sweeney's like, what the fuck? That, that's like um, Ovechkin asking for like his new contract. I think like the rumored thing was he wanted like 13 million a year. And it's like, he's yes. like 35. I'm like, <laughs> Uh, that's gonna Who's end. gonna tell him? <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna end badly. So, but yes, I think Krejci is a viable candidate for MVP. Um, and I, as you saw with my picks, I didn't want to go with like Bergeron's gonna win MVP because it's too obvious. No one wants to listen to that. They want to listen to outside the box type things. But I do think Krejci could win it. I'm not just saying that. I, I legitimately believe Krejci will end up being team MVP. So, um, now finally, we are going to uh predict where the Bruins finish in the East. Uh, I think both of our final predictions is the Bruins lose to the Maple Leafs in the uh, Stanley Cup in seven games. Um, no, they're winning it, man. Let's switch it up. No, they're, they're beating they're beating Toronto. They're beating Jumbo. In, in the Cup <laughs> that would be – see, that that to me would be the greatest thing in the world. That's something we've talked about at length. I think that that would be the best thing. I, by the way, I think if the Bruins did play the Maple Leafs in the Cup, they would win. I do. Like, Toronto is still Toronto. Um, I just think, you know – one of these years, Toronto has to win, and somehow by hook or crook, it would be in the Stanley Cup final, of course. Mm. Um, but my prediction is I think the Bruins finish second in the East, which, by the way, you should want, Bruins fans, you should not want this team to consistently be the top point getter anywhere. This you, you don't want that. It's been a terrible, terrible, terrible omen over this team for the past decade. Finish second to the Flyers, have a good season. That is what I expect out of them. Um, I expect Washington to be pretty good. I expect the Rangers to not yet compete for the cup, but still be like a, a card team to play against. I expect the Islanders to be kind of in that mix. Um, so yeah, I expect them to finish. I expect the Bruins to finish second, which is very good. Yeah. And I was going to have them finish in second as well. I think they're in that tier right above maybe a team like Washington and, and Pittsburgh, but I think it flies right there with them. I mean, they've got, 
an established veteran core, but they also have four or five younger guys that should keep on getting better between uh, Hart, as they as they call him outside Hart. of common. Carter Hart. Now I sound like I have a brogue. Um, <laughs> but either him or Provorov or uh, Connect Me or all these guys. They've got a whole bunch Nolan of Nolan Patrick's are, coming back, Nolan too. Patrick, yeah, it, like it was pretty much a lost year. Um, so they've got a ton of guys who should take you know big steps and barring a, a major drop off from uh, like, you know, the Drews or, or some of these other guys, which I don't expect to have happen. There's still going to be a balanced team. Uh, the coach dwell. Um, so I think it's going to be one, two with them and the flyers for most of the year, which should be good. They'll be facing off in Lake Tahoe. That was finally made official on Monday. Just, uh, should be fun to watch. Um, so I think, yeah, that's going to be the, the primetime matchup, I think. And we're stuck in the same div- division as Gritty now, which will be interesting. So I think he had his own little podium. I don't know if you saw, like, their scrimmage that they had, but he had his own little, like, deck to himself and just danced the entire time, which seemed very physically draining. The man was dancing for, the like, the entire man or woman. We don't know. We don't know about Gritty. Who knows? Yeah. No, gr- Gritty's just, just Gritty. Gritty's his own gender. It's yeah, who, who are we to say, right? But uh, Gritty was just having the time, the time of Gritty's life. So uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more chirps and other things that more shenanigans Gritty's going to be up to whenever the Bruins show up there. I'm sure there'll be many uh, uh, Brad Marchand chirps with him, um, you know, messing up the, the shootout, all that stuff. But you know what? Let's run with it, right? If, if Gritty agrees in the, the division, it, it's a good thing for all of us, right? Gritty gives opposing teams COVID. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like literally what, yeah. That would be like the, the hopefully they don't go that far. with Gritty, Gritty, you have to put Gritty's some, on the bench with the water bottles just kind of yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Right yeah. over the top. Yeah, with like Gritty, a towel we, full of COVID. Gritty, Gritty can only go so far, right? But, but we'll see. I'm sure he's going to up to his usual shenanigans this year. And what's funny is he has free, it, because it's Gritty, could be anything. Gritty has free reign in the stands. So Gritty oh, yeah. can walk to behind the net. He can put up the Marshawn missing the shootout. I mean, imagine the Bruins and Flyers go to a shootout in Philly, and Gritty's behind the Flyers' net with the picture of Marshawn missing the puck. I mean, I can mean, you imagine it, like the, the picture of that going on Twitter? Like, that has to happen. And, and again, it's gonna we're going to hear about that a million times, but that picture placement would be would be brilliant. It'd be awesome. Um, it'd be awesome. I hope Gritty's listening and hears that. Gritty's been working out all off season, just consistently working out to dance on that podium for for that amount of time. But I'm excited. This is gonna be a really fun year. Um, and you can follow all of Bruins content over at Boston Sports Journal. You can follow mine over at CLNS. Um, subscribe to this Bruins Ringside YouTube channel because we have a lot of stuff happening over there. Uh, and for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins be listeners. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah.